it's always good when you come to stand up at the front to preach and they're like half the church kind of runs out. That's, uh, <clears throat> that's okay. Um, I want us to just to play a quick little game, if that's okay. Just a little word association game. Um, so what do you think of when you hear the word rest? Uh, so just kind of chat in your tables just for a couple of minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sleep is a good one. Just in your tables, just where you are, just for a couple of minutes, <clears throat> just chat a bit about what do you think of, what do you feel, what kind of, what images do you come to mind when you hear the word rest? And how do you feel if you don't get it? Okay, just a couple of minutes. There's no right answer. There, there might be some wrong ones, but there's no kind of right answer. What do you think of, what do you feel when you hear the word rest? And what does it feel like if you don't get it? So just have a little chat and we'll come back. So what do you think of when you hear the word rest? Sarah, did you want to start us off? (laughs) Sleep. Yes. Amen. (laughs) Anyone else? What are you sharing? Yeah, yeah, so that's it. That's all you think of. Rest is sleep. Yeah, okay. Spa and knitting and reading. Can you knit in spas? Is that? Okay. Reading, probably not. But you can knit and, okay, knitting and sparring. Great. Yeah, I can say, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Richard loves to knit. Good. <laughs> Holidays. Yeah, great. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I can see that, but that's okay. <laughs> Um, like, how does it feel like if you, whatever you, whatever you kind of think of when you hear rest, what does it feel like when you don't get it? How, how do you feel? Tired, de- desperate? Yep, yeah, t- yep, good. Stressed, uh huh. Cranky, yeah, very cranky. Great, thank you. It, it, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? But like, not having rest, kind of whatever the rest means not having it is upsetting kind of whether it's mental rest or or physical rest or even spiritual rest when we can't rest it hurts um a a christian from a very long time ago augustine said said this where he 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 prayed this really he said god you've made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you such a great quote our hearts are restless till they find their rest in god and as humans, we're all just naturally restless, aren't we? We live on the move, always searching for somewhere or for someone secure and safe. But the people that we trust let us down. The gadgets that we hope will make life better go out of date so quickly. Any taste of success or popularity or comfort just so quickly turn to ash in our mouth, don't they? The experience of a restless heart is, is so familiar, so familiar to us all. We need, we need firm foundations in our life. We need solid ground, to, somewhere to, to stand, to rest, somewhere secure, uh, a source of, of love and joy that's going to kind of not just disappear at the least hint of trouble. And we look everywhere for it. We want it, we want somewhere firm, and we look everywhere for it, career or family, savings. But, but all we get is, is what, more restlessness. 
And this restlessness is a symptom, I think, of the fact that too often we, we seek this rest and security in something other than the Lord. Only rest in God lasts forever, because only he will fill us for eternity. King David knew that. He wrote Psalm 62. So if you want to turn to Psalm 62, um, if you have one of the, the church Bibles on the tables, it's on page 479, 479. Psalm 62. David, uh, the king, wrote this song and he knows that his soul is so, so precious. And he knows that it needs somewhere safe to rest. And so he wrote these words in Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. That's that idea of, of rest. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. I don't know about you, but, but for me, sometimes the Christian life can just feel like being on a treadmill. I've heard. I, I don't really go on treadmills very often, but I've heard that the Christian life can be, can be like going on a treadmill. You're just basically sweating all the time, sprinting just to stay in the same place. Just running as fast as you can, as hard as you can, so you don't fall over. And the Christian life, I think, can feel a bit like that sometimes. But David here, in Psalm 62, says that God alone is his salvation. So for David, there's no need to sweat or to earn approval from God or from someone else. Because God is his salvation. So David waits quietly and he rests in God alone. Some of you might feel that the Christian life is just like, a, just like a play. You know, you're kind of always acting. Always trying to, just to remember the right words to say at the right time. Just to kind of put the mask on and, and, and hide your real self from, from somewhere. You're just acting all the time. Just like in, in a, a terrible, terrible play. But David says in Psalm 62 that God alone is his rock. So David says, look, he doesn't need to try to be strong. He doesn't need to try to be sorted and to act the part of a, a real Christian. God is his rock, so he rests in God alone. God is David's unshakable fortress. He doesn't need to trust in his own strength or ability for safety. So he waits quietly and he rests in God alone. I wonder... I wonder what freaks you out the most. I wonder if there's something that if I asked you to do it, you would just quake and shake. Uh, for me, one of the many things is, um, is doing evangelism. <clears throat> so when Peter was there talking about kind of the next phase of the church, we're going to be kind of doing more evangelism. I was kind of already starting to kind of get the, the sweaty palms. I remember when I was a student um, quite a long time ago down in Swansea, um, our, our staff worker said, we're going to do some evangelism training. So we're going to have an evangelism training seminar on Tuesday at, at five o'clock or whatever. And I really didn't want to go, but I ran out of excuses. I'd already seen neighbours at lunchtime, so I, I couldn't kind of watch it twice in a day. So I'd run out of excuses and I thought, actually, it's okay. It's evangelism training. I don't mind that. Evangelism, that's terrifying. And I don't, we're not very good at it. But training, that's okay. I can handle that. So we went to the, um, the seminar at five o'clock, just a handful of us. 
with our staff worker James. And he says, "Okay, we've got an hour together, and we're going to just write, we're going to go and we're going to talk about and think about doing some some questionnaires, so some first contact evangelism with with students. We've got about an hour together, so ten minutes. We're going to go through these questionnaires together." And then you're going to go and you're going to knock on the doors of the halls of residence for about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and then we're going to come back and chat about it. Hang on up. Uh, James, this was evangelism training. I didn't come to actually do, do some. Just that, that, that panic of having to kind of knock on a door and you know, ask someone questions about Jesus. And as I was thinking about kind of what that felt like and, and I guess the reasons for it, I was just aware, looking back, that, that, that if our souls are restless, then when we meet challenges or kind of things we don't like to do, then we're going to just be filled with panic because it's that treadmill. We're just going to start sweating and just the treadmill gets faster. I have to run faster to keep up with everybody else or to stop falling down. And so you just start sweating when someone asks you to do something that you don't think you can do, if we're not resting in God, then we'll just freak out. That inner panic alarm will kind of sound and we'll get the sweaty palms and the, the heart racing. But if, if our souls are resting in the Lord, if we are waiting, if they are full in him, who is our salvation, our rock and our fortress then when we meet challenges, we'll ask God for help, won't we? We'll, we'll wait for him, resting in him, we'll ask for strength, and we'll just go and do it. We'll, we'll try things that we're not capable of because we know success doesn't rely on us. Now those questionnaires on that Tuesday evening, however many years ago, they went okay. Like No one kind of made too much fun of us, and it was fine, good conversations, and that's okay, but... Even if it was rubbish, even if we fail with those things, well, that's okay, isn't it? Because, because isn't our Father the focus and not us? When you compare God and us, it's, it's just kind of just really obvious, isn't it? Sometimes comparisons are just, are just so ridiculously obvious. So, you know, you could compare uh, me cooking with Jeremy Oliver cooking. It's just an it's just an obvious thing. Even if I use one of his 30-minute books, which, by the way, they never take 30 minutes, ever. Um, it's just an obvious, you know, who would you rather cook for, Jamie Oliver or me? It's just, it's just obvious. You don't even have to, to say. Well, Psalm 62 is, is kind of the same. God stands in, in stark and obvious contrast to us, to humans, and the things that we do. He's on a completely different scale. Let me read verses 3 and 4, and then jump to verses 9 and 10. And just spot as I read, just spot what images David is using to describe humans. Okay, So verses 3 and 4, it says, How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. And jump to verse 9 and 10. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. What's David saying? I think humanity is kind of not a big deal. Uh, riches are completely worthless. David says, look, 
you can't trust in yourself or even in other people because they're leaning towers and tottering fences. They're, they're a breath. They, they just don't last. Tottering fences, I'm not an expert, but tottering fences fall over. Breath just disappears. It, it sounds so obvious, doesn't it? Like we're here on, on a Sunday morning. It's like, well, yeah, duh, obviously God is bigger. Obviously God is better than us. That's such an obvious thing to say. Why, why would we trust in, in anything less than him? Why would we trust in anything that doesn't last when we can find eternal lasting hope and rest and salvation in God? It's obvious today, but what is it like on a Monday morning? What is it like later in the week when we go back to school and college, back to uni? He, David, who wrote this psalm, he, he knows that Monday mornings are hard. He knows that work and school and even being in a family is hard. And in the middle of everything, in the middle of whatever's going on with these people attacking him and feeling like just a breath, in the middle of that, he says this, verses 5, 6, and seven. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Notice that's pretty much exactly the same words as he says in verses one and two. Exactly the same words, except this time, David is, it's almost like he's, he's telling himself to wait and to rest in God. So King David starts his song with resting and waiting for God, that kind of declaration, for God alone my soul waits. And then he experiences the challenges of verses three and four, those people against him trying to bring him down. And so in the midst of that, he reminds himself where his security really is. And he reminds himself where his hope really is. What has challenged you this week? What, what surprises have you had in life this week? Big things, little things. It's okay for our souls to be disturbed by circumstances. I think Psalm 62 just assumes that. It assumes that big things happen. It assumes that we're troubled. It's okay. Trouble and stress and disappointment have come and they're going to come again. And it's okay for these things to rock us. But I think the bigger question is, how are we going to respond when we're rocked? When something happens in our week that rocks us, are we going to kind of put up our own defences? Are we going to say things like, I can't do that? So we bring up the drawbridge, we block everything out, and we just kind of become hard and distant, maybe cynical, kind of self-protective. Or when we're rocked, are we going to be like David and remind ourselves of truth? To remind our souls that they have somewhere safe, somewhere safe, a safe place to, to rest and to wait. Have a look at verse 8. <clears throat> it's kind of one of the centerpieces, one of the jewels in, 
in this psalm, particularly 62 verse 8. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Isn't that stunning? Absolutely beautiful. We can pour our hearts out to the Lord. And it's completely safe. He is our refuge. He is a place that we can run and hide. And we are completely safe. Completely safe. Isn't that why we don't kind of pour our hearts out very often to other people? Because we don't feel safe with them. We don't know what they're going to do with that information. Are they going to hold it against us? Are they going to tell everybody else? But with God, he is our refuge. We can pour our hearts out to him. Why is he safe? What do we need him to be when our hearts are struggling and in pain? Have a look at verse 11 and 12. <clears throat> Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God and that you, O Lord, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. I need that to be true. Maybe you sat here this morning and you see those words and you think, hey, I need those words to be true as well. When, when we hear the worst news possible about family or, or when we, we worry about tomorrow or just the future, I think we need those verses to be true. I certainly do. There was uh, a guy in the youth group of the church I was in in Swansea when I was at uni. And uh, just a few years ago, he was kind of mid-twenties, engaged to be married. And three days before Christmas, uh, was hit by a bus and died. And just in that that explosion for for his family, for his friends, for his fiancée, What did they need? What do they need God to be in that explosion? But it's not just in, or it's not just when life explodes that we need God. What about just the daily aches? Just the kind of things that, that worry us day to day. So you have the explosions. But what about the, the daily aches, the, 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 the news? And we just think, what is this world doing? What about the daily aches of, of, of illness of yourself or of a loved one and you just don't know if they're going to get better? What about the, the daily ache of unfulfilled expectations, of being single? And I never thought I'd be single at this age. What, what, what's life supposed to be like now? How am I supposed to live now? All the unfulfilled expectations of marriage. I didn't think marriage was going to be like this. How, how am I supposed to, to live it, like this when my expectations don't meet up? And how, how am I supposed to live? It's not just the explosions, but it's just the daily things. Just those aches that just, even just for a few minutes each day, just kind of ache and make us think, well, what am I going to do? 
they, they, they make us want to pull away. They, they make us want to kind of protect ourselves and, and just kind of block everything off. They make us want to step away from God. It's not just the explosions that do that, but it's the, just the daily aches. When that happens, where, what do we need? What do we need God to be like? We need him to be like, it says in verses 11 and 12. We need somewhere safe and we need God to be someone strong and loving. Because if you think about it, if, if God was just strong, if he was just strong, if he was just powerful, he could help, he could change situations. But how would we know that he would be bothered? He could help, but how do we know that he wants to? You know, he's the, he's the king, the powerful king, and he's in charge of everything. But he kind of feels distant. He, he kind of feels a long way away, like he's got better things to do than, than bother about little old me. But if God was just loving, if he was just loving, right, he would want to help, he would want to change, but how do we know that he could? How would we know that he had the ability to, to look after us like he wants to? If God was just loving, it's like he'd be, he'd be in office but not in power. Just kind of wringing his hands, kind of sorrowful, just pacing up and down, wishing he could do something. But once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. And that you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. So pour your heart out to him. That might mean falling to your knees after an explosion in life. After hearing that news or whatever. It could just be falling to your knees in the middle of an explosion and pouring your heart out to God. Or it could mean, um, like when you're just struggling with one of the one of the aches of life. It could just mean turning off the TV, logging off of Facebook, and just talking to God about about your fears, about being fearful. It could be uh, getting a friend and just praying with them, crying with them, sharing with them, but pouring your heart out to God. It, it, it could look like a whole lot of things, really whether it's an explosion or a dull ache. But God is not just strong, he is loving. Steadfast love belongs to him. He cares, but he's close. He loves you and he is, and he is with you. Pour your hearts to him. Maybe that means this morning when we have communion in a couple of minutes' time, Maybe it means that you will, you will be praying as you take communion. Maybe you're praying like verse 1 and just kind of declaring your joy in the Lord and saying, my soul waits in silence, my soul rests in God alone because he is my strength and my salvation, my joy, my rock, my fortress, made up a few others then. Um, maybe that's how you take communion and you'll, you'll be rejoicing in the Lord. And that's great. And if that's you, you should do that. Take that opportunity to rejoice 
and to declare to him that, that, that he is your salvation and that you rest in him alone. But maybe this morning, uh, communion will be your chance, maybe for the first time in a long time, uh, certainly the first time this week, to, to be more like verse 5 and to kind of just remind yourself of who, of who God is. And so the beauty of, of the bread and the, the wine is that you don't need to be sorted to have it. Just like in Psalm 62, you don't have to be sorted to be able to pour your hearts out to God. Actually, it's for people who aren't sorted. So if you're here and you're not sorted, if you are so aware that you are broken, if you are aware of explosions, or if you are aware of just the dull aches of life, Lean, lean into to God, who has given us everything. Lean into him. Rest in, in him and pour your hearts out to him. Completely safe. He will not reject you. He does not regret saving you. He does not regret forgiving you. Like, oh, if only I knew they would do that. He doesn't regret you. You can pour your heart out to him. All summer, we've, we've seen uh, who God is, lots of different ways. And we've been reminded and encouraged, even challenged, to always kind of look up at him, for our hearts to look out of ourselves and to look up at him. What does God want us to know about him today? Today, we have a secure foundation, a loving and strong God who is with us and for us. God is our refuge. Trust in God and find rest in him alone. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are before you as your people, but we are so aware that uh, we aren't really very good. Um, we aren't very faithful. We aren't very warm or loving to you. But we, we just want to thank you for, for Psalm 62. We want to thank you for, for the, the challenge and the reminder, for the encouragement that it is you who are our salvation and our rock and our fortress. It is you who we can wait quietly and rest for and in. Father, I pray that now and on into this week and on into the next month and, and however long, that, that we would be individuals and that we'd be a people, a family who rest in you alone. That we would stop with the treadmill, that we would stop with the play-acting, and that we would pour our hearts out to you. Thank you that you hear us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you won't turn us away. Or that you are kind of not surprised by anything we say to you. We thank you and praise you that you are close. 
and that you love us. And in whatever um, people here are going through, big explosions or, or kind of dull daily aches, Father, I pray that we would all uh, lean into each other and, and more importantly that we would lean into you and rest in you alone. Amen.